Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Pull Up a Stump with your hosts, Cassie and Riot. We have returned, bitches. <laughs> Took a week hiatus. Hiatus, I almost couldn't say that word. Hiatus. Hiatus. Um, hiatus. 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 Um, took a little week break, Garuni, because, um, yeah, life and uh, topics just weren't flowing. But we're back. We got a good one. Ready to frickin' give it to ya. Ready to dig in. Ready to dig in there. We've actually got kind of a special little mini occasion that's bringing you this week's podcast. So put on your mother frickin' seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's going to be a good one. But let's start off first with our positive affirmation for the day. Um, good. I had mine and I lost it. Uh, okay, I got it. Um, you want to go first there, Cheeky Poo? Mm, don't tell people your plans. Show them your results. Love it. Right? Love it, love it, love it. I think that one all the time. Um... I follow my dreams with passion and certainty. Okay, okay. Strong, strong, strong. She's a big girl. I'm <laughs> a big days. girl now. Some days I tell you. Other days, questionable. Um, <laughs> all right. We're going to roll right into this one, ladies and gents. And I'm just going to toot my own little horn for a sec. Um, cause by the time that you listen to said podcast, um, I'll actually be 18 months and two days, but, um, in T minus 11 hours, folks, this chica reaches 11 months of sobriety or 11, 18 months of sobriety. I said 11 hours in 11 hours. I reach 18 months of sobriety. Yes fucking queen in the house pretty i'm so proud of you oh thanks (laughs) thanks how does it make you feel when you think about almost two years like 18 months like in no time it'll be two years like that's Mm -hmm. mind-blowing i feel like i was just celebrating one year and it's already like a year and a half it's crazy when i think of like two years i'm just like that's nuts because I know I did a podcast episode on it like a while back uh, when it was just me riding solo on this beach and I was talking about, and actually then I was confronted with it in real life. Um, But I was talking about how, and actually you and I have spoken about this, about how I was holding like, I don't know the proper word guilt is coming up, but it's not guilt. So you, you will probably know the proper word once I say it, but um. I was almost like discounting my own sobriety because for like a chunk of it, I was sober or was pregnant and like, you kind of probably should be sober while you're pregnant. Um, I know people don't. And like when I talked to my therapist about it, um, I had said that to her and she kind of said the same thing. She's like, look, Cass, like, and actually even actually no we're not gonna say that when i talk to just my therapist um she's like there's um plenty of people out there that don't stay sober while they're pregnant 
can't stay sober while they're pregnant. Don't stay sober, you know, um, don't. And to like, so that kind of like got me thinking, I'm like, okay, good. Like two to my own horn there. But then I talked about it too. in that other podcast where it's like, it's not even like the actual like time that alcohol has not entered my system that like gives me so much pride in my sobriety. It's honestly the like, like the freaking work that I've done on myself and like overcoming the reasons why I drank the way I drank, like whatever. At the end of the day, like I just haven't drank in a year and a half, like cool, you know, but really that's not the shit that like changes your life. And that's why my sobriety in the past had failed so many times was because like, I just was sober because I didn't drink because I didn't pick up a bottle of wine or whatever. But at the end of the day, it always failed because I never dealt with like the nitty gritty as to like why I drank the way I drank. And so, yeah, sure. Like a chunk of this 18 months, I was pregnant and, you know, you to quote unquote should be sober during that time, but it doesn't discount the work that I did on myself during that time. And it I doesn't think that make it any less valid. Yeah. And that's where I'm like super proud of myself. Well, I'm just like, I can't believe I'm at, like, that's the longest I've ever been sober since I started drinking at like 12 years old. That's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you were probably drinking for more than half your life. Oh, hundred percent. I have. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah. I remember the day I drank like my first bit of alcohol and then there was no time gap in between that age of 12 till the age of freaking 18 months ago where I went 18 months without having another drink. Like from tw- like there was I drank like probably 3 times a year when I was 12 years old. Like I know it's not a lot, but like still that it was not 18 months in between the time that I didn't drink again. Yeah. And like the first time I got like pissed drunk, like pissed drunk. I was like I was in grade 7. So about 13, 14. Yeah. And then kind of just like 12 or 13. Wow. Yeah. That's brutal. I remember, I remember my first like legit drink though. And it was like where we grew up or like where my mom lived anyway. Um, There was like, you know, like those, we called it dry pond, but you know, those like places in neighborhoods that are like flood ponds. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that one and there was this big hill in there. And my brother and I used to like go and, you know, fucking toboggan down the hill and shit and run around and whatever. And there was a can of like an, like a full unopened can of beer that somebody had left at the top of that hill. And I was like, oh, let's, I'm going to drink it. And I was just with my brother and my brother was like, don't do that. Because he was like a little goody two shoes. And I was like, fuck it. And I drank it. And I drank that whole can. And well, my brother had like a little sip. And, um, he, of course, as soon as we got home, ratted on me to mom. But that was like, that was the first time I ever had like, like a full on drink, you know, like before, you know, your parents like slip you a little like eh, a little tasty here and there. But like, I friggin that was my first time. And then it just kind of like, 
continued after that. And then I would like drink with my mom and shit. So, um, yeah, pretty proud of 18 months. That's a long time for me. And you should be, that's some, a massive achievement. Massive. Thanks, man. Thanks. And just massive, like internal changes in that time. So yeah. Well, and the, the amount of personal growth that you went through while you were pregnant, might I add, which is like an emotional roller coaster all by itself. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a pretty like powerful thing to do. Like I remember being pregnant. I was sad I couldn't eat cake. Okay. <laughs> I can I could only imagine having to try and like, you know, be pregnant, be emotional, go through all of those changes physically and mentally, because let's let's face it, pregnancy is a mind fuck. But yep. then also work on like personal growth and like have positive personal growth during that time. That's intense. That's kudos. Straight up. And like, I mean, it's no secret to anybody who's ever listened to this podcast or anybody who knows me, like this 18 months, I've been also going through like the worst fucking thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Like yeah. put aside all this other trauma that like I had to deal with that led me to drink like this fucking shit that's going on with my daughter. Like that's intense and there was a lot of freaking times that you know it's like man i wish i could have just numbed it for a day or a week or whatever yeah and i managed to stay sober through all of that too which is honestly that like that's that's a whole nother achievement all by itself because that's like a daily trigger daily yeah and not very many, not a lot of people, like, I don't personally know any other than you that would literally be able to handle that and function through that with all those triggers and continuing like your, your like sobriety and like staying on that, that straight and narrow. Not a lot of people would be able to do that. I think most would have almost caved a few times. I mean, yeah, I'd be lying if I said that there literally weren't days where, like, I was lay like, I, I remember, like, there was days where I was laying in bed at the end of the night, and, like, that day just felt so heavy, you know, there was whatever, whatever was going on with that, and I was literally, like, I had to fucking, like, double dose myself on sleepy tea, because if I stayed up another half an hour, like, that would have been possibly too much where I was like if I fucking sit here and think about this for another half an hour like I'm gonna be hard-pressed not to drive to the liquor store yeah so you know I would friggin' double dose on sleepy tea or like put on a show or work out or you know something and not do that like it would yeah I'd be completely lying if I said that there weren't days where I was like oh it just fucking was a cakewalk like no but if if all this had happened to me like three years ago, then there's no way I probably would have made it through sober. I just wasn't strong enough. I don't think you were ready then either. No. Like you really have to be ready for that change and ready mm -hmm. for that like positive personal growth to happen yeah. in order for that momentum to keep going and that motivation to keep doing every single day. 
and waking up knowing that you're going to conquer all of those triggers and all of the shit that this day is going to hold for you, whether it be positive or negative and not every day is the same. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think it, it, it's, it's really important to be ready for that kind of stuff. hundred percent. And I mean, that kind of, that leads us into today's topic where, and I know we're going to freaking ruffle some feathers with this one, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I have very strong opinions about today's topic and um, not even from just, you know, experiencing it from seeing it from an outside point of view with my mom's addiction, um, but having experienced it firsthand. And I know that you yourself have experienced it uh, secondhand from my people in your life. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we've got some opinions here, but today's topic, ladies and gents, I want to talk about, <laughs> get ready, <laughs> um, put on your bumpers, put on your bumpers, um, <laughs> addiction, I'm just going to say it, okay, man, addiction is not a fucking disease, okay? Addiction, yeah. that whole mindset that addiction is this disease that is just going to hold you for the rest of your life and you're going to forever be an addict or an alcoholic or however the fuck you um like introduce yourself um that shit's bullshit and i think that it is possibly doing more harm than good in the situation oh yeah i would 100 percent agree when like to me and what i've watched and learned and seen over the years of like as far back as i can remember mm -hmm. addiction is uh a mental affliction mm -hmm. right like it affects the mind the body the soul the heart and it's not that like you're medically sick You've got trauma that you haven't dealt with, don't want to deal with, can't deal with, don't know where to start kind of situation and reaching out for some kind of substance, whether it be pharmaceuticals, street drugs, alcohol, doesn't matter what it is, it, food. Yep. Okay. When you reach out for that, that substance that gives you that feeling of like peace and serenity without having to deal with the hard stuff hiding beneath the floorboards, mm -hmm. it's just easier. Mm -hmm. A lot more people make that decision because it's easier. And I don't always think a hundred percent. I think that also it is also not necessarily just easier, but it's the first time or like something that makes you um, feel better feel better, feel less pain, feel better, yeah. numb it, um, you know, be able to look yourself in the mirror, you know, whatever the heck it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a dangerous path. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, um, sorry, my foot's asleep right now. And, uh, it's got that like pins and needles thing going on where you move it and it literally feels like your freaking leg is going to fall off. Um, yeah. Trying not to laugh. Cause you were also being like serious and looked like you were going to fall out of the chair. I was just oh, trying I'm to wait for it to happen, but 
Um, no, like, you like, talk, you talk. Prime example, like my my dad, my my biological father has been an alcoholic my entire life, mm-hmm. and it's not that he's a bad person. He's funny. He's caring. He's all all of those good things and those good qualities of who he is as a person. But then as soon as those those traumatic events in his life or, you know, his like post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, as soon as that trigger kicks in for him, he's he that's the first thing he reaches for is is alcohol. And, you know, I, I, I say that he's kind of lucky because he's not like a hard liquor alcohol drinking person. He drinks beer and I know it's really not different it's still the same concept but the outcome of the drunk is very different from hard liquor to beer it really is but he has so many skeletons in his closet if you will that he's never dealt with that i don't think he'll ever deal with um that affect him so negatively and when you watch someone and you can see it in their eyes you can see it on their face you can just everything about them is just pain Mm -hmm. there's it's just it's so like hard to watch and not be able to do anything like the helplessness is overwhelming and like when he's not drinking because there are definitely times when he's dry and it's because i don't enable the drinking so if he can't buy he doesn't have so he's then dry and he's like this 180 like 100 percent different person yeah and i'm like i wish you could see that about you but he can't and you know i'm sure he does see that about himself and to be honest as someone who's been through this is i bet he does see that about himself and then the fact that he can't or hasn't dealt with the dirt under the floorboards and he knows that like he obviously like every person who has a problem knows that they're a better person when they're not on their like substance so the fact that then he's like probably there's quite a bit of shame there that he knows that he's better he knows that he's better when he's dry he knows he's a good guy he knows he has a good heart but when he fucking is having those days or whatever he's got the money like whatever it is to to get it and he starts drinking you know, that's probably one, yeah, dealing with the shit that he's never dealt with or or whatever. But he's also, there's probably quite a bit of shame in there too. Because oh, he sure. knows like, fuck, like, why am I like this? Like, I freaking asked myself that a million times. Like, why oh, yeah. am I like this? Like, I'm, I'm sure there are definitely like moments in his day where he wonders like, you know, how is this my life? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's never really expressed anything to me, but he's also that generation where, you know, talking about mental health or, you know, the, the dirt under the floorboards was not something that you just, you just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. That was kept under wraps. Mm -hmm. And I think generationally it caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. Yeah. Big time, which then trickled down through the generations of the family. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, it took me a long time to understand that, like, 
my mom was going through that same stuff. Like I remember growing up, obviously you don't understand it, right? Like I just always saw my mom drunk. And, you know, when I finally was old enough to have the conversation with my parents, more particularly my father about like, why did you and mom split? And he would tell me, you know, the things that she was doing, like, you know, hiding alcohol around the house and all this kind of stuff. And, um, I just saw it as like, cause at that point, obviously I wasn't as bad. So I was like, well, just fucking stop. Like what is going on here? You know, like I used to say it all the time, you know, when my mom and I were not on good terms and people would be like, Oh, why are you and your mom not talking? Or like, why blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, because she can't fucking, she chooses the bottle over her kids constantly. And I never understood it um, as like a pain thing. And as a thing that, yeah, I mean, they're probably your, our parents are probably roughly the same age and, um, same thing. She never knew how to talk, never had a safe space to talk. Like her mom passed away when she was 21. So even that like motherly stuff and that safe person was gone for her. So she never learned how to talk either. Um, and again, I think she's going to be like that type of person, like your dad, that kind of never really deals with it. Will probably, you know, pass and leave this earth as um, somebody with an issue. Um, yeah. But I mean, thank God that like now things are um, a little bit more accepted to talk about. And I mean, holy heck, like sobriety has. It, for lack of a better term, like really gained popularity over the last like five or so years. Like it seems like it's way more celebrated now and there's way more even like famous people choosing it. And we all know when freaking famous people do anything, everybody will do it. So um, it, it's just viewed differently nowadays. So, I mean, hopefully that shift in um, society and acceptance in society will also help younger addicts um, get out of it sooner than like our parents ever did. Yeah, the, those generational, you know, kids uh, who unfortunately, you know, ended up with the same fate in the same path as their parents without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, when oh, how do I kind of like explain this one? So when you have parents that are, you know, alcoholics or that are addicts, and a lot of us do have parents even still to this day who are alcoholics and addicts and they're, they're functioning mm-hmm. and they function just fine. So you don't really think that there's a problem. You don't look at it as a problem. And then when you do realize that it is a problem you're still standing there questioning, well, what did I do or what can I do? Mm -hmm. When realistically it's one of those, you know, all you can be is just a support system in the healthy ways. My dad has lived with me for 10 years. And I think part of the reason why he is kind of lived this long is because he's lived here Mm -hmm. and I don't really 
I've had lots of people like say to me, like, you know, doesn't he want to be like on his own? And then my problem is, and what I was afraid of was like, man, do I have like dependency issues? Because I'm not dependent on him, but I'm dependent on knowing that he's okay and healthy and he's like safe and warm and fed and comfortable that if he were to actually move out on his own, I would be terrified and constantly anxious about mm -hmm. is he eating? Is he buying groceries? You know, are his utilities paid? Does he have heat in his house, hot water, lights? I think that would make it worse, not knowing. Yeah. But I think, too, just being that, like, healthy support system for someone, like you said, you don't, you don't enable it or anything like that. Um but you, you know, he also, you know, like does have times where he drinks and whatever, but you got to, you know, that, that guilt or like that thing that you're like, oh, are you, is this your fault or whatever? Um, you're doing everything right to create the safest space possible for someone who doesn't want to, or isn't ready to take the steps to heal. Um, and that's all we can, that's all we can really do is because like we had kind of said in the beginning, right? Like that no one is gonna, and I thought it was so freaking cliche until I experienced it, but, um, like no one is going to get better until they're ready to get better. And yeah. so, you know, if, and the fact that again, we don't really think it'd be the same thing if like my mom was completely all on her own frick, I don't think she would last very long. Um, but as far as I know, my brother still lives with her. So I think that kind of holds her accountable to like some, what of holding her shit together. Um, yeah. but you know, the, if your dad or whatever was, um, on his own, like, and he had full reign over his life, um, that might not go so well. So the fact that, you know, yeah, you're not to blame for even like letting quote unquote, letting him have a beer when he has money or whatever. Um, it's the safest way to keep him, um, on track at least a bit. Um, then that's all, that's all you can really do because yeah, he's not ready to change. And, um, I think a lot of the reason why so many people don't, want to change or whatever is multiple reasons. But I think one, there's so much, um, fear and that's kind of like going back to what I had said, like the topic today is, um, this whole fucking notion that disease is this addiction and you're just like always going to be an alcoholic. You're just always going to be an addict or whatever. And like what person wants to put in the work to get better or quote, like heal themselves to just always still be referred to as like the darkest fucking times of their life. Yeah. You know, like, and so, I mean, I've talked about this on here too. I've gone to AA and I've gone to NA in my early bits of my sobriety. And then in my past sobriety that had failed before, um, I was doing AA and I've said it before. I said, that's like the main thing that turned me off 
from AA and NA was the fact that like, yeah, when you walk in, you know, you go to talk and it's like, hi, my name's Kathy and I'm an alcoholic. And it doesn't matter if it's fucking day one in that room or if you're on year 57, um, you are con you are always referred to as that. Yeah. And I didn't, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with like, you know, when like you're a kid and you know, you're calling yourself stupid. I'm so stupid because I can't figure out fucking this math equation. And somebody goes like, don't call yourself stupid because, you know, it's your own self-limiting beliefs and you're going to believe what you tell yourself. It's like what we say all the time with the positive affirmations. If you keep talking shit to yourself and you keep like making yourself believe that you're less than or you can never get there or you're never going to figure this out or you're dumb or you're not, you know, as good as fucking Sally Ann down the road, like you're never going to get there. So if you continue to tell yourself, no matter how much fucking work you're putting in, no matter how much you are trudging through the trenches, you're constantly telling yourself that you are an alcoholic and you are an addict. And this is something that you are never going to outrun. And it doesn't matter if you are in the best relationship of your life and you've got six kids and you're making all the money and you've accomplished all your dreams and goals, you will forever be an addict. You will forever be an alcoholic. What do they call it? It's, um... Uh, like holding yourself accountable kind of a situation. And that's why they, that's why they ask you to introduce yourself that way. Like, you know, hi, my name is Tabitha and I'm an addict. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like they, they say like, if you face it, you're facing it by saying you're this, you're facing it. I don't think you're facing it. No, you're labeling yourself what you don't want to be. Yeah. You're giving yourself that complex that, okay, this is what I am. No, this is what you did. This is what you've yeah. been doing. This is what you've been using to keep yourself numb, numb or as numb as you could be, or to give yourself even like, you know, that, that euphoric escape from whatever reality you don't want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's not who you are. It's what you were trying to escape from. Yeah. So what you really should say is, hi, my name is Cassie and I was an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, or hi, my name is Cassie and I'm recovering. Yeah. You know, make it something more positive. Don't be like, oh, all you need, you need to face your fear by telling yourself you are the fear. Yeah. That makes no sense. Like, it, like I don't, why- I don't understand. Why can, you know, somebody freaking go to jail for 10 years Mm -hmm. and they come out and they're no longer a convict? Yeah. You're like, hi, my name is George and I'm a prisoner. Like, no. What? No. You're a fucking free man now. You did your time. Yeah. My name is George and I'm rehabilitated. That's what it is. You did your time. You did the work. You, you know, fessed up to your sins. You freaking did all that shit. Mm-hmm. So why is it any different when it's an, when it's an addict? Like, yeah, sure. There. And I mean, this is not, and we're, I don't want to even open this can of worms, but this is not obviously referring to like people that, you know, potentially have like an actual like psychological mal wiring going on. Um, this is just, you know, people who've become addicted, but um, it's like, the fact that there's so much like fear and stigma surrounding even getting better 
because it's not easy to walk into a room with even just one person, like, you know, let alone all these people or whatever. And be like, yeah, I got a, I have a problem. Like whoever wants to say that they've, they have a problem or failing at anything in life, not even just addiction. Right. And so you walk into this room and you got to say this. And then this like realization that you're never going to outrun that title. So why the fuck did I even, why do I even want to put in the work? If you're always going to think I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Then let me just constantly losing the race. Yeah, let me just continue being a, let me continue loving my wine, bitch. Because if you're going to always think that I'm a drinker and you're going to always think, refer to me as an alcoholic, then (laughs) let me show you, you know? So this is, I don't, like, I just really don't think it's right that this whole mentality is like addiction is a disease. Do I think that there will you know, and I think everybody's different. And to be honest, this is like something that um, pops into my head more times. Like, now that I'm got a handle on things than it ever did. But um, and no, I'm not like in the way that I'm like ready to drink or or anything like that. That's not at all. But um, do I ever think that like, oh, one day, like, would I, you know, on my fucking wedding day, am I gonna ever be able to like have a glass of champagne? Like, would I even open that can of worms again? You know, um, who knows, but I do, I think that there are people out there that have suffered with an addiction of some sort that would be more easily triggered than some other people, hundred percent. And there are people out there that like, yeah, you probably just shouldn't fucking dabble anymore, dude. Like every time, you know, yeah. um, but are there people out there that do successfully like get over it and are Have able control to control over themselves. Yeah. And I think that that comes from again, dealing with the dirt under the floorboards because yeah. for me, like I'm just going to very quickly go over it. You know, I le- I had a very, very, very traumatic childhood and we've touched on it in this podcast before. Um, but you know, my childhood involves a lot of shit. Um, and then double it with an alcoholic mother that just normalized the look of drinking. Um, you know, and it was just like a thing that you did. So, um, for me never having dealt with like the shit from my childhood and then it just becomes a habit. And then you learn to like, love the feeling of, you know, being able to sleep and, you know, shutting out the noise and whatever. Um, and be becoming constantly triggered by things from your past because you've never dealt with it. So now when you get to a point when you've done the work on yourself and all this, are you able to not be as easily triggered because you've dealt with your triggers? You know, like if you're somebody who just gets triggered to drink by being in like social situations, like maybe you're just like a social drinker who like takes it too fucking far like you're probably somebody who like maybe shouldn't drink anymore once you get over it, you know, because yeah. just being in like a bar or just like being around people who are drinking is a trigger enough for you. But if you're a person like myself that drank because you have a really fucked up past and you know, you work through that, are people like myself ever able to do it again if they cho- so chose, you know? 
I feel like you could, like, it could be like a, you know, like say five years from now you're getting yeah. married. Right. And you've had this conversation with your fiance and you've talked about like, you know, the, the ins and outs, but when you go through something as like profound as that personal growth, where you've now dealt with childhood trauma, you've dealt with, you know, things that trigger you that affected you negatively, that you reached out to, for that alcohol to be able to numb that feeling and escape the reality of which your mind wanted to deal with at the time. Mm -hmm. I think the difference being is down the road, you're going to look at alcohol very differently. You're not going to look at it as that substance to you know, take you away from that pain or away from that reality, you're going to look at it as a social aspect of like, hey, I can have a drink with my friends around the fire, or I can have a drink at my wedding and feel completely okay mm -hmm. and, and safe knowing that I now know the difference between drinking to escape and drinking to um, like having a drink for like an occasion or, you know, social, socially, where it's not yeah. drinking to get drunk, to get blackout, just so you can pass out. Yeah. Right. And There's I think big difference. Yeah. And I think that what you literally just said completely encompasses the fact that addiction is not a disease. And the fact that that, um, mentality will fuck people up because, if you, if you constantly have that mentality that like, I'm forever an addict, you will never get to the point that you just said, you yeah. will never be able to allow your brain to get to the point of starting to view. Like we're just saying alcohol because that's what, that's the thing yeah, that we it's, are it's most, the easiest you know. one. But, um, if you are, if you constantly are stuck in that mentality that like, I'm forever going to be this way then you will like you, your brain like you won't be able to be able to ever see alcohol as any other different thing. And yeah. you will never be able to possibly open that door in a healthy way. Um, no. And if you never want to open that door again, so be it. Like literally I got asked this like freaking, I don't know, like three weeks ago. And somebody was like, Oh, like, is this a forever thing for you? And I was like, you know what, if it never happens again in my life, cool. Like I don't, I'm, I don't really care. If yeah. I get to a point someday that, yeah, I'm able to, and I want to, like, it's not, I don't even really, like, I don't even want to, like, uh, you know, I was like at a place, there was a bunch of people like all around the fire, hanging out, drinking, people were drinking and it didn't even, like, I was like, I'm good. Like, I was like looking at all these people drunk and I'm like, fuck, glad that's not me, you know? And like, <laughs> I don't even, it doesn't even get there for me anymore. Um, but if you, and I think that I'm able to even view that because I don't view it as like, I'm not who I was, I'm not what I did. And that is what more people need to do. Like you said, it so good earlier where you're like, you are not what you do. Like you are not what you did. You are a new person now. Yeah. You know, like and you yeah. being an alcoholic isn't who you are. It's just something there that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, an addiction is, is an affliction of the mind, the mm -hmm. mind, the body and the soul. So when you can get the mind, the body and the soul back into working, you know, cohesively together 
and you're in a good place where you're kind mm. of running like a well-oiled ship mentally, physically, emotionally. And I mean, not, no one is ever going to work like, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally a hundred percent perfect all the time. We're always going to have days where, you know, it's a really, really good day. And then all of a sudden something just like dropped you off a cliff. It happens. Yeah. Right. Those, those days happen. But the difference being is you have the ability to deal with those moments in the day and deal with, you know, certain triggers or, you know, certain things that happen that kind of overwhelm you or, you know, if you get really, really anxious or you have anxiety and, you know, you're able to deal with those things. So are people who have addictions. Mm -hmm. It's no different than saying like, oh, I'm so anxious right now. I can't breathe. There's something sitting on my chest. And then you, you know, you count five things, you breathe 10 times, you do breath exercises and you ground yourself. Yeah. An addict can ground themselves too. Mm -hmm. It's possible. And that, that comes from the work, right? And yeah. that's, that's the difference between staying in it and getting over it is that toolbox that you grow. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like there are days where shit just hits the fan. And if you aren't ready and you don't do the work, it's that's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. You're going to, you're going to fall back off, you know, something cause you, you've not taught yourself any other way. And let's be honest here. Anything that you with substance we're talking about in and of itself regardless of the trauma, regardless of the trigger in and of itself is an addictive substance. That's why they're mar like that. It's perfect marketing, right? Alcohol is addictive. That's why it does something to your fucking bloodstream that when you wake up, if you've had like, you want more, it's the yep. same thing as drugs. You know, you, it wears off. You want more. It's a, it's no it's different a than being a diabetic. If I have even the smallest amount of sugar or too many carbs, that's all I want. Yeah. That's all I reach for. And I keep going because it is a, a like a change in your freaking blood and your, you know, brain reactors and shit. Yeah. So it's like, if you haven't ever taught yourself better coping mechanisms and all that kind of stuff, of course you're going to freaking fall back, but you're not going to learn that shit if you don't do the work yeah. and that's why shit fails. But it's like, why like you know like smokers for example okay you can be a smoker for 20 fucking years for 30 years for 40 years and you quit smoking for like six months and you know that like you're you're at your six month mark but you never smoke again whatever right you're at your six month mark do you still call yourself a smoker no <laughs> no but the smokers call them quitters i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're like, no, I don't, I don't smoke anymore. Sorry. That's something that my stepdad said, cause he quit smoking. He was hypnotized. They did something to his brain. He says, um, no, with that, like kind of like it, it's related. Not only did, do people who, you know, have dealt with addiction and been afflicted by addiction, been told that they have to constantly face it by saying this is what i am they've also been told you have an addictive personality mm -hmm. it's your fault that you got addicted it's not it's not always no not always 
it's one of those, you know, like, do I have an addictive personality because I smoke cigarettes? No, I just like nicotine. I like the habitual habit. Mm -hmm. The inhalation, the exhalation in the morning is my favorite time to smoke. Okay. And it's not because, oh, I'm going to walk around raging. I'm like, I'm going to stab somebody because I haven't had a cigarette. Yeah. It's just a craving. It's just something that my body wants. Just like my body wants sugar. I'm going to go get sugar. But I'm not, I don't have like an addictive personality. I'm not an addict because my personality is telling me to be. My, my trauma and my, and the issues that I refuse to deal with are causing me to be mm -hmm. because I'm using it as an escape. Mm -hmm. That addictive personality. I've heard that many times in, in my life and described of like my dad and family members. They're like, oh, well, you know, we all have addictive personalities. Be careful. Like I've heard that my whole life. And I think that's why I was like afraid. Mm -hmm. I, I went out on my 18th birthday, 18 years old. You're supposed to be excited for this, right? I was not. I was terrified. I was terrified that if I went out to the bar and actually got drunk and enjoyed it, that I was going to then become an alcoholic or an addict because I have an addictive personality like the rest of my family. Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Drives me crazy. It's that yeah. whole, you know, hi, I'm this and I'm this. Hate it. It's an affliction of the mind. And it's just like anything else. You need to be stronger than, you know, than it. And yes, are there people out there, I think, that are more whatever, easily addicted, this addictive personality thing? I think that, you know, there are people out there that um, may fall easier into things. I think that's just a person that, you know, there's people who are more cautious in life. There are people who are fucking adrenaline junkies. There are people who, you know, all these things where... You know, probably someone who's like scared of their own shadow is probably going to be less, um, less susceptible to falling into addiction than somebody who's like, let's fucking grab life by the balls, bro. You know, like they're probably going <laughs> to be like that. Um, oh, yeah. but I don't think that it really has, it's not something that you like, oh, you, this is something that you need to be f scared of your entire life, you know, like. No. I think the the, the uh, idea of an addicted personality is more, you know, when you are very deep into an addiction and you'll do anything and use anything you possibly can for that escape and that release. I think that's Wait. the part that is like the addictive personality that would make more sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you become, eventually you just become addicted to running away. Yeah. Because even if you are a person that, you know, picks up a drug or whatever, that hasn't necessarily been through hell and back in life, you know, there are people that just like went to a party and got like uh, peer pressured into like trying fucking cocaine or something. And then all of a sudden five years goes by and they're a cokehead. Um, you know, and those people, um, I think you just, 
you didn't start because yeah, you were trying to run away from your trauma or shit like that, but you become addicted to one, the feeling that you get when you're on it. And then you become addicted to outrunning the feeling that you get when you're not on it. Because when you're not on it, after you've been using it for so long or a certain amount of time or whatever, right. You feel like a bag of shit when you're not high or you're not drunk, you know, like the shakes, the, the hangover, the whatever it is. Um, and so then you become addicted to outrunning that. And then you become addicted to chasing the quote unquote high. Well, yeah, because so, you need more and more and more. Yeah. You build a, you build a tolerance, you know, like mm-hmm. frick, that was like, I freaking when I first started drinking, it was Smirnoff ices. And that was like my thing. I love Smirnoff ice. And then, you know, graduated to oh, the heartburn. The, like, I can feel it. <laughs> graduated to uh, Bacardi Raz um, because that, you know, the, the Smirnoff wasn't cutting it anymore. And yeah. then, you know, then I friggin' became like a complete wino, loved wine. Um, but then, and then just like fell into that. Um, and then for some reason, drinking got like classier as soon as you became a wino because like wine's just accepted. So then all of a sudden it was like, I didn't feel as scared about how much I was drinking. Um, but then, you know, your substance builds up or your tolerance builds up to the wine because wine's like fucking 12% or something at like the highest bottle. And then I found myself, you know, buying vodka and buying like cheap, dark rum and that kind of stuff because I needed more. I needed, I needed more. It wasn't cutting it anymore. You know, like there by the end, like I would freaking buy the 1.5 liter of wine and casually drink that casually as in the entire bottle, but casually drink that throughout the night. But then like every time I'd go to the bathroom, I'd sneak into my room and like take a swig of my Mickey of vodka too. So I was doing vodka and wine like almost every night because the wine itself was not enough anymore. Yeah. And that, you know, you, you chase that feeling. And then in the morning you outrun the feeling of the hangover. And that doesn't make me have an addictive personality. That doesn't make me, um, this is going to be on soft fucking ground here, but that doesn't make me an addict, um, it just makes me someone who has a lot of shit that they need to deal with and needs to get it out of their freaking system. Like, you know, there's so many people out there that you go to detox or you go to rehab or whatever, get it out of your fucking system because that the physical that you're going through, that's enough to freaking send someone back. So you need to get it out. You need to have it stop running through your freaking veins. And then you can start to like deal with your shit because those two at the same time, the physical and the mental at the same time is just too much. Too, too big of a battle to fight both. You're fighting the shakes, you're fighting your brain, you're fighting the guilt, you're fighting, you know, wanting all this and it's too much. Well, it just makes it that much easier to Mm self-destruct. But then if you're sitting there the whole time being like, ah, whatever, this is just my disease. I'm just always going to be a crackhead. I'm just always going to be an alcoholic. I'm just always going to. 
why are you going to want to get better? If you think that that's just something that you're always going to have over your head for the rest of your life, why are you going to want to get better? You're not. And I think the, I think now more people have started to figure that out and recognize that and put those two things together that, you know, they don't want to define themselves by that label. So they're not. And I think that's why so many people have actually, you know, achieved recovery and embraced recovery and sobriety and truly believed in themselves that, you know, recovery is possible. We all Uh do recover. We all can recover. And I think that's why, you know, like sobriety, like you said, is kind of like a trending thing right now. A lot of people have, you know, been working their way to that recovery process. I would rather someone say to me, you know, like, hey, I'm, I've, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I would rather hear that than I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I'm an addict. Mm Mm-hmm. But then it's up to you personally as to when, you know, your recovery is complete, if you will. It's always going to be ongoing, obviously. But when you're ready to say like, all right, I've done this. Mm -hmm. I did it. Yeah. And that's completely a personal choice. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're one of those people that, yeah, just is never over, it's, you're just always fighting it or, you know, always dealing with whatever, like, that's cool. That's you. Um, but there's people out there that, yeah, like I fucking beat this thing and I can, I can live life. Like I literally, I just met someone recently that him himself has a past with, um, addiction and no longer identifies as you know the late addict yeah. yeah and it's just like you know when we talked about it and um it's like yeah i used to have an issue with uh whatever I'm not gonna like say it on here uh you know had an issue with such and such dealt with it now i just don't do it and that's you know that's cool like and i think if so many people recognize that that is a possibility um then so many people would so many more people would accept it like i just don't understand why alcohol and drugs gets put in this category that that is something that you're gonna fucking be with for the rest of your life but then like people who yeah quit smoking um you know get over their eating disorder uh friggin get out of jail and they don't they don't ever steal anything again. Uh, you know, people who like overcome fucking sex addictions. Um, you know, people who like me, myself, I, <laughs> this one, whatever, but like, you know, I, you know, been through some like essay stuff in my life and I don't consider myself, I don't walk around being like, I'm an essay victim. You know, I got over it. It's something I've been through as part of my story. Yeah. Um, but this is just another thing that's part of my story. So like, why is alcohol and drugs put in this category that it's like, if you, if you've been there, done that, you're always going to have that t-shirt. But if you get over anything else in your life, it's just a part of your fucking story. Yeah. So it's like, 
no wonder. Like I know I was, uh, that's part of the reason why I never decided or was ready to bite the bullet and get better was because I'm just like, well, I've already gone this far. Everybody always thinks that I am. I've walked into these friggin' AA meetings and everybody here, this girl's like taking her freaking coin for like 20 years and she's still saying that she's an alcoholic. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Let me go get my freaking bottle of red wine because if that's just something I'm going to be for the rest of my life, I might as well have fun doing it. Yeah. Be like, hold on. I need some grape juice. I'll be right back. Yeah. Like, you know, so <clears throat> I don't know. I just... I'm really happy that sobriety and um, that is really starting to become more normalized and it's more easier to talk about and more people are doing it um, because I think the world's just getting more fucked up. So our youth is just already going to be in for a whirlwind. We don't need to, you know, make it still shameful to talk about things like this. Um, But I think there's obviously still a ways to go and, um, but I mean, we are making strides and we just need to stop freaking putting a label on absolutely everything and just recognize that, yeah, there are people who do get over things. You can get over things. Like, like I said, you've like, literally, if you're listening to this and you are in this fucking boat, I want you, this is something that I thought about all the time. And it really like helped me. So I want you to think like, if you give up smoking, you are no longer a smoker. No. If you give up your thing, you are no longer that thing. You can deal with it. You can get over it, but you have to be able to do the work and you have to be ready for it. Cause yeah, if you're not ready for it, cause it's a fucking whirlwind to deal oh, with all that shit for a minute. I know it's no. no like none none of the equivalent. I I quit smoking for a year once, and then um, unfortunately I started smoking again. Topic completely unrelated. Won't go into it, but uh, I uh, I was so mad at myself. So I can only imagine like how some people must feel where you kind of feel like you've let yourself down mm-hmm. initially, and then you're just right back in it, and no longer matters. That feeling of like oh crap goes is like completely out the window. Yeah. 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 I just think that there's a lot of, honestly, there's a lot of shame around recovery still is really what it boils down to. There's so much shame around recovery and getting better and getting sober. Um, that again, yeah, if you're not ready for it, like you better be ready for it. Cause it's hard. Um, but it's deterring people from getting better because yeah. Why do we want to always be labeled as this thing? Why? Well, not you only know, that, always- but people are, people are deterred from, you know, like actually like, you know, reaching out for help. Yeah. Because there's such a stigma still around, you know, being an alcoholic and being an addict and recovery and all those, those things. And it's mainly because, um, oh my gosh, where'd that go? Oh, it was so good. Where'd it go? (laughs) Oh no. Uh, shit. Let me pick it up and I'll see if, if you cut me off. I think, um, people are ashamed because it's like, 
it's because like people have it's almost like it's not the media but like as an easy reference it's been demonized for that's the better word it's been demonized for so long um and in so many ways that yeah even coming forth and asking for help or admitting even to like one person that like i've got a problem like i need some help um there's so much shame in that because then yeah so everybody tiptoes around you everybody's like you know scared of this scared of that oh well like can I even invite this person out anymore you're scared you're gonna lose your social circle you're scared you're gonna lose your day-to-day routine all this stuff um because yeah the the world of addiction is so demonized when really if we just looked at it with like we just got some people out there that are hurt and we just need to help them be unhurt and we need to make them feel safe in being hurt and working on that, then, you know, a lot of people would probably get sober a lot quicker. You literally said it way better than I probably could have, but that's literally where I was going before the train just kind of imploded. It was, uh, there was no words. It was just like, okay, we're going, there's momentum and then dead. I was like, uh, hello. That's never <laughs> happened to me before. Okay. That, nope, that doesn't, nope. this, this, it doesn't ever stop. So the fact that I literally just like rammed a brick wall, I was like, ah, uh, words escaping brain can't do. Bye. <laughs> been a long day. Um, yeah, I think we've, it, you know, covered the basis here. I just, I just wish I think more the people main wouldn't. message that we could put out to people from this podcast to whoever is listening, whoever you share it to, if you know someone who's dealing with addiction or who is is dealing with recovery or is scared to or whatever the case may be, just remember that you are not defined by your addiction. No. It is 100% okay to be vulnerable and scared about recovery Mm -hmm. because it's a scary process. No one's going to tell you otherwise. But if you don't face that fear, you're never going to uh, come out on the other side of that. No longer afraid. Mm -hmm. And if you have a good support system around you of people who are not just going to leave you high and dry because now you're sober, then you're very lucky. But if you do have those people in your life who, you know, are like, oh, well, you're boring now, you need to find new people. And it's and you will. You, you will. will. 100% you will. <clears throat> but I'm, don't be afraid. No. So, I remember in the beginning, yeah, I lost, I didn't lose. I had to let go of people, you know, um, but it's amazing how many people just come out of the woodworks that are sober and clean. And you're like, whoa, like there's way more, there's way more people um, out there than you would think. Like, I'm at, just think of it this way. When you first started your journey in addiction, you may have only known like one or two people who, you know, you drank with or, or did your drugs with. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of it, your whole fucking circle is people who are in the thick of it. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. you attract that type, you socialize with that type, you live that type. Same thing happens on the other side. 
you you'll know one or two people that are doing this journey too and then all of a sudden you know a year goes by six months goes by whatever and all of a sudden you realize like fuck everybody around me is living this shit because you attract it and you and you bring it in it will happen on the other side i have have more sober they know yeah i have way more sober people in my life now than i do anybody who like even drinks i have nobody in my life now that drinks to excess no um i have people in my life that still drink and do it fine um but you know i couldn't have said that 18 months ago no probably (laughs) not most people in my life drank to excess too or had at least an issue with it oh yeah they they couldn't find the the difference between you know like having a social drink as a gathering with friends and drinking to get drunk to black out to pass out yeah right i mean it happens on the other end um and i know it sounds so cliche but like i'm not joking you the other side is incredibly beautiful yeah of, of like everything like is there like we said there's still hard days there's still days that i sit there and i'm like man today would be a good day to crack a bottle of wine like fuck me sideways but i read right now seriously but <laughs> um you know it it's a fleeting thought it's a natural reaction when everybody's going when you go through something extremely stressful or triggering or sad or whatever um that you're like fuck i wish I could feel better right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you pull out that toolbox and you've got way more better coping mechanisms that you don't fall into that, you know? So yeah, you pull out um, that hammer and you smash the bottle of wine and say, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you know, the other side is just so, so crazy. My life has gone in directions that would not have been possible at any other point in my life. You know, I have beautiful people in my life. Um, I have solid people in my life and, you know, I'm a, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, fantastic mother. I'm proud of the woman I am today. I could not have said that 18 months ago. I fucking hated myself 18 months ago. I hated myself. We were talking about this, uh, not too long ago and you sent me a picture of yourself. Yeah. And you were like, I, I look at that person and I don't see me at all. No. But it's like not even, yeah, I hated the way I looked. I hated the way I treated people. I hated the way I treated myself. I hated the, hated the way I thought. Um, I hated the way I, like my job, my life, everything. I fucking hated myself and my life 18 months ago. And now I wake up more days than not, because we all have shitty days, um, extremely grateful for my life and extremely proud of my life. And I'm super fucking proud of myself, you know, and the woman that I show up to as for other people and, and all that. Um, well, it's because you broke that them. cycle. You were the one woman in your, in your family that broke that cycle. Yeah. You know, you told yourself, I'm not going to become my mother. And you didn't. That's a did massive bit, goal but... achieved. <laughs> did it for a little bit, but I pulled myself out of it, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing too, is I realized like, yeah, if I continue down this, you're going to be either dead or you're going to be your mom. And yeah. I didn't want to do that. So, um, I think this Which was a really you made good, the best choice that you ever could have made was realizing that I need help. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, it was not an easy thing to admit, like we said. And I mean, some really fucked up shit happened after I admitted it. Um, but it is what it is. And um, yeah, I couldn't. It's just, it's beautiful. And um, I'm super, super grateful for now in like, I think it's like probably eight hours now. Uh, let me let me check my little Let's sober look calendar. At the time. Let's look at the time because where's my sober counter? Um, you'll reach us in nine hours. Look at you go. Look at that. I can see Next it. I can see it. Milestone. Yeah. That's Next fantastic. milestone. 18 months. You will reach this in nine hours. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy because at the bottom you can put like, um, like when you first put in your sober day, uh, for anybody who doesn't know this, I, there's an app called I am sober. It's like three colorful little weird shapes. Um, and in it, you put like, you know, how much you would regularly spend on like your thing on a daily basis, you know, and oh, as yeah. you gain your days, it counts it up. So I remember I put like the equivalent of like two bottles of wine, like two big bottles of wine a day as like my pretty regular thing in 18 months, guys. Of course, this is like average. I have saved $19,110. That is just crazy. In a year and a half, almost 20 grand on fucking alcohol I've saved. That when you when you put it in that kind of perspective and you think of the number, like I know I do it with smoking all the time. Like I think about it every single time I light a smoke. I'm like, do you know how much money I wouldn't have to spend every month? My gosh. Yeah. Weekday. Oh God. But when you put it into that perspective of like 20 grand, dude, that's a down payment on a house. Yeah. Like yeah. $19,110 I have Ooh. saved. Oh my goodness. And probably maybe even more than that because it was just getting worse and I was just spending more money on it. Well, yeah. Um, But that's, yeah, it's crazy. Like, fucking so proud of myself. And you should be so proud of yourself too, everybody who's dealing with this shit. Um, 18 months. Just nuts. Just nuts. Super proud of that. Do you just feel powerful though? Feel so powerful. And like strong. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful, strong, proud. Um, I really hope this reaches somebody who isn't feeling those ways and listens to this and has that moment where they can think to themselves like, God, I can do that. I can can do that. And then turn that into, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's what I want from this. I mean, yeah, ever since, like, I've gotten so many messages over the last year and a half since I've really shared my story on social media um, of people, like, like, thank you for, you know, sharing, blah, blah, blah. And um, it's very, it's an important message to talk about saving well, lives. Well, being brave enough to share. You yeah. know, not a lot of people are brave enough to talk about it after they've gone through what they've gone through. They just kind of, they're like, you know, I'm humble. I'm I'm, I appreciate it. I'm proud. And that's just that. But lots of people still wouldn't openly talk about, you know, their affliction of the mind is what I'm going to continue calling it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
openly knowing that someone out there is going to pass judgment. Mm-hmm. Somebody. There's some internet troll that's going to be like, well, you guys don't know your research. No, this is this is life experience. There's no research necessary. Yeah. This is a street of hard knocks. school of hard knocks. <laughs> yes, it has been lived. Like, <gasps> you know, I, I've dealt with things very differently too. I won't say that... You know, I'm an, I've ever been an addict and know what it feels like to be an addict, but I've dabbled, I've experimented. I had, you know, substances of choice, mm-hmm. but I still wouldn't say that I even know half the pain that you went through because I don't remember ever using it to escape my reality. Mm-hmm. And that's all it became for me pretty freaking quickly you yeah. know so uh yeah well i think we should call it a night mm-hmm. that was congratulations uh, thank we you rejoice yeah you know hopefully we can send some positive vibes out into that world because mm-hmm. man she's a crazy place right now she is um yeah I hope if you're listening and like Riot said, if you are struggling, thinking about it, curious, um, in it, whatever the heck, um, I hope that something in this podcast tickled your pickle and you feel um, some sort of happiness or inspiration from it. Um, I don't share to gloat, but I'm pretty fucking proud of myself. So thank you all for listening and thank you so much for being my cheerleader riot. Don't know what I'd do without you. Um, and to that, I say good evening and goodbye. <laughs> the, the fire is out. We're putting the stumps away. It is bedtime, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's bedtime, bitches. It's bedtime, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>